We were in California, and it's great to be back today. I want you to take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn way toward the back to the book of 1 John. One of my absolute favorite books in the whole Bible is 1 John. And so 1 John chapter 1 is where we're going to camp out just for a little bit today. And so I want you to, when you find your place, if you're able, let's all stand in the house of the Lord today. And we're going to read just the first four verses. And then we're going to get right into uh, our message today. 1 John chapter number 1. And look, if you will, please, at verse number 1 today. The Bible says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice especially verse number 4. And the Bible says, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. And I want us to read that verse together as a congregation today. First John chapter 1 and verse number 4. Ready? And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. You may be seated this morning. And I want to talk to you about that subject, how to be joyful. How to be joyful. I mean full. F-U-L-L. How to be joyful. And so we're going to pray and, and uh, we'll jump into the Bible study here this morning. And I hope it'll be a blessing and a help to you. Are you glad to be in God's house today? Amen. Man, this is an exciting place, and we're so thankful to be a part of something like this. And that's the truth, by the way. Sometimes we just go away just thanking the Lord. We're just able to be, just able to be here, and, and I know many of you feel that way. Let's pray and ask God to help us today. Father, thank you so much for your blessings, and Lord, for the privilege to be in the house of the Lord today. Lord, I pray now that you'll bless our time together. Thank you for the great music. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful uh, uh, singing, the congregational singing, the specials. Lord, thank you that the musicians have come together and they've used their talents for the cause of Christ. And God, I pray that our hearts have been encouraged. And Lord, that you've helped us to worship you in spirit. And now, Lord, we want to take a few moments before we leave today and go home. And we want to try to worship you in truth. Thank you for the truth of the word of God that we have Lord, in our possession today, we're blessed, God, beyond measure. So, Lord, I pray that you'll touch us today spiritually. Lord, I am asking that you touch us physically today. And, Lord, don't allow the powers of darkness to uh, distract or to, to detract, Lord, from the service today. God, I pray that you'd accomplish your perfect will. And I pray that hearts would be really challenged. And, Lord, that souls would be saved and that the saints would be not just edified, but that they would be greatly edified today. Lord, we understand that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly 
above, more than we can even ask or think. And that's the kind of God you are. And so we give you praise today. We pray for the power of the Holy Spirit now. Have your way in the service. Father, we love you. We praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. And for his sake and all God's people said, amen. Well, I love the book of 1 John. And uh, if you go back and do a little bit of study, history tells us that the Apostle John has left Jerusalem about four years earlier, maybe, maybe a little bit more than that, but he's left Jerusalem four years earlier. He's moved to a place called Ephesus. And John, the Apostle John, has become the pastor there uh, of the, the, the work, the church there in Ephesus. And then just a, a few years later, he pins the, the words to uh, the book of 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. And we notice here that John writes these letters for several reasons. Number one, he writes the letter that your joy might be full. You'll notice in 1 John chapter 1, verse number 4, the Bible says, In these things write we unto you that your joy might be full or may be full. And so John says here, I'm writing these letters so you can have fullness of joy. But then we also notice that he writes these letters to help Christians avoid the pitfalls of sin. We did not read this this morning, but uh, it's just one page over, maybe not even a page over. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 1, John says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And then we notice that the Apostle John writes these letters to protect believers from false teachers. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 26, These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. In other words, there were some that were trying to creep into the church. And by the way, that's how false teachers always try to come in. Now, they don't come in making a commercial. They normally creep in, in the cracks and underneath the doors. And they try to woo people away in false doctrine. That's what was going on in this day. And so John writes this letter to those uh, so, they wouldn't be, uh, so they wouldn't be swept away by these false teachers. But then also, there's a fourth reason that John writes these letters. He writes these letters to help people know, and that's the key word, to help people know that they possess eternal life. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 13, John says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And there are those out there today who tell us that you cannot know. No one can know that they're going to heaven. Well, I'd rather believe what God says than what they say. And God says here in 1 John chapter 5 that you can know that you have eternal life. And that your name is written down uh, in heaven. And so four reasons that John writes these letters to the church. But I want to deal with that first one today. Uh, and the first one is that your joy might be full. And how fitting this is. Really, I, uh, you think about that just in, in, uh, uh, in the eye of history, how fitting this is. John has moved from Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, such a beautiful, beautiful city. My wife and I were there uh, about a year ago. And 
Man, what a, what a, a place. Uh, we just stand in awe when we stand there and look at Jerusalem and walk down the Mount of, of Olives and uh, into the Garden of Gethsemane and, and then make our way over to Calvary and, and the tomb. And, and it, it is, it, it's an awe-inspiring place. Uh, and it was for them back in that day. In fact, for the Hebrew people, Jerusalem was, I mean, it was the highest of the high. And so here John is pastoring in Ephesus some years later, uh, and Jerusalem has been destroyed. Uh, Titus has come in, and Rome has come in, and they've pretty much destroyed Jerusalem. They've broken it apart. they burned it with fire. And so it's very fitting that the Apostle John, who at one point was in Jerusalem, now he's in Ephesus, uh, word has spread among Christians that Jerusalem has been cast down and it's been destroyed. And so it's very fitting that John writes this letter and he says, I want you to understand something, that our joy is not in Jerusalem. Our joy is in Jesus. And he said, I want you to understand that even uh, in retrospect, everything that's going on, John says that your joy uh, can be full. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I don't know about you, but man, I want my joy to be full. I don't want to have a quarter tank. I don't want to have a half a tank. Man, I want my, I want my joy tank to be absolutely full and running over. And how many know that most of the time, something that's full is almost always better than something that is empty. I think about a full tank of gas. Especially now is better than an empty tank of gas. Boy, it's taking a little bit more. Let me back up. It's taking a lot more to fill that tank of gas up. And what a blessing it is to get up. I don't know how y'all are. I just hate to stop and get gas. I don't know why that is. I just, I don't want to stop. I, I know I need to stop sometimes, but I just don't want to stop. And man, what a blessing it is to get in a car and to have a full tank of gas. How about this? How about a full glass Versus an empty glass. I like, boy, I like having a full glass. I, I like that. There's nothing worse than being at the restaurant uh, and sitting there trying to eat your meal and your glass is empty. It has been empty for quite a while and nobody comes by to fill it up. Man, it's just great to, to look down and have a full glass of water or a full glass of drink. How about this one? A full church versus an empty church. Oh, yes, yes. We had a humdinger of a crowd last night. And on the, way to, on the way to church, I told my wife, she said, it looks like we're going to have a good crowd. I said, well, if we're going to do it, let's do it big. Amen. And that's the truth, church. And by the way, if there ought to be any place that ought to be packed out on Sunday, it ought not be the Walmart parking lot, or it ought not be Carowinds, and it ought not be uh, the boat landing down at Lake Norman. It ought to be the house of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful for a full church how about this one? A full bank account versus one that's overdrawn. <laughs> that's always a blessing. Well, I want to talk to you about that today. How you can have fullness of joy. Man, I want to have joy that's full. By the way, that is what so many are striving for. They're looking for a way that they can have uh, uh, how, how they can have fullness of joy. And here's the sad thing, that many folks are looking for it in the wrong way. 
And I want you to understand that what John writes to us here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this joy, this joy that John is talking about does not come from stuff. This joy that John is writing about does not come from sinful pleasures and stimulating prestige. and uh, That's not the kind of joy that that, that John is talking about. You know what really, it's a sad thing, it really is. My wife and I, we just came from California just a few days ago and, and I'm going to be honest with you I can sort of I can sort of see the draw there uh, beautiful weather hardly ever rains of course everything catches on fire but anyway hardly ever I mean honestly hardly ever rains uh, there sometimes uh, they'll go for six months and not hardly get one drop of rain and it's beautiful the weather's beautiful the temperature's wonderful uh, there is zero humidity can I get a can I get a witness right there and I mean, it's, it's gorgeous. I mean, there's gorgeous landscaping. Some of those people live in immaculate homes. They're beautiful homes. They're set up on the mountains. I mean, the view's incredible. I mean, it is something else. But I'm going to tell you what, it is one of the saddest places that you'll ever visit in your life because they are like a bunch of robots that are just going through the motions. They've got cars. They've got BMWs. They've got Maseratis. They've got, uh, they've got riches and beautiful homes. But they're empty and they're dark. It is a beautiful place, but it is a dark place because the truth of the gospel is not... Not there, but I'm telling us today that we can have fullness of joy in Jesus Christ. And so just in case there's anybody that's interested in that, I want to show you today from the Word of God how to be joyful. How to be joyful. Well, how about this? Number one, we can be joyful by grasping foundational truth. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, let me show you. I want you to take your Bibles, turn over to 1 John chapter 1, if you've turned away from there. 1 John chapter 1, and John's getting ready to tell us uh, how we can have a, a, a joy that is full by grasping foundational truth. 1 John chapter 1, verse number 1, John says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, And our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and John said, and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. You say, Pastor, what are you getting so excited about? Well, this is what John is saying. The truth that John is trying to hand down to the church is this, that Jesus is very much Alive. That's what he's saying. How we can have fullness of joy because our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is very much alive. And I love the way John puts it here. John says it like this. John says, this is not something that we just heard about. This is not rumor. This is not hearsay. This is not something we read about in a magazine or something we read about in a book. John said, I'm here to tell you. He said, we didn't just hear about it. John said, we saw him with our own eyes. 
John said we've looked upon him. He said we've touched him. We've handled him with our own hands. He said I'm telling you something church. Jerusalem may have fallen but Jesus has risen again from the dead. I'm going to tell you what Calvary Baptist Church if you've got anything in the world to shout about today that right there's something to shout about. Jesus is alive. He's alive. He has come out of the grave. He is not dead. He is not gone. I'm telling you Christ is alive today. Now you say pastor is that good news? You better know it's good news because Jesus has risen because Jesus is alive. You know what that means? That means that you can be alive as well. He's alive. By the way that foundational truth is what makes what we believe so different than any other religion. And somebody says, well, what's so special about Christianity? I'm glad you asked. I I think I'll tell you. What's so special about Christianity? Did you know they tell us that in countries around Asia that the Buddhist religion has shared the ashes of Buddha among many different shrines. They've They've taken some of Buddha's ashes and they poured a little bit in this urn and they put those in that shrine. They've taken a few more of his ashes and they put a little bit more in that urn and they put them over here in this shrine. And, uh, and all over Asia, people will visit those different shrines and they will worship the ashes of Buddha. By the way, if you study that out, a man who never actually even wanted to be worshipped in the first place. Amen. A man who maybe did some good works. A man who maybe had a kind heart, I'm not sure. But this is my point. You can visit those shrines where his ashes are. Did you hear what I said? (laughs) Where his ashes are. He may have been a great man, but ultimately Buddha died. He died. Islam says that Muhammad was a great prophet who did miracles. Maybe not many, but he did some miracles. They tell us that Muhammad split the moon. Of course, it came back together, but he split the moon. They tell us that Muhammad watered a crowd of people by letting water flow from his fingers. And they tell us that Muhammad fed 300 at a wedding ceremony. Well, we fed about 300 last night, but anyway, anyway. (laughs) And they tell you that Muhammad did this and Muhammad did that. But ultimately, you can go to Saudi Arabia today and under the green dome, you can visit, as many Muslims do, you can visit the tomb of Muhammad. It's a place where Muhammad is buried. I don't know much about Muhammad. He could have been a great man. I have no idea. But I do know one thing about Muhammad. He died. He's dead. His body has went back to the earth. His body has turned into ashes. There are others who still worship a God in the form of a stone or a meteorite that fell from space. But this is what I'm saying. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, we serve a risen Savior today. He's alive. Hey, did you hear me, church? He's alive today. He's alive. He's not dead. They took him off the cross. They put him in the grave. And for three days and three nights, he was there. But I'm telling you, on the third day, God rolled the stone away. And by the way, 
way. Not so uh, he could come out, but so you could see in. He is alive. And you say, Pastor, how do you know? Well, I know because I see his handiwork. I know he's alive because I hear his voice. I know he's alive because I feel his fellowship. I know he's alive because I see his miracles. You say, what are you talking about? Miracles, what what are you talking about? Well, you were in one last night. You were in one last night. Man, as we had the church all set up and we were fellowshipping out here and God painted the most beautiful sunset right back over here, God took his canvas and God took his divine brushes and he painted a beautiful canvas last night. You didn't know it, but you were actually sitting in a miracle. Back when we were trying to build down here at the old church, we just couldn't get anything going. It was just like we couldn't get traction. It was just we tried this and tried that and tried this plan. and It was just like we couldn't get anything going. Well, God knew what he was doing. This land right here that you're on right now had been here for, I, at the time I'd been in Calvary about 26 years and this land had been sitting here for all those years. And by the way, they never did a whole lot with it. I can remember a time or two there were some cows on it as pasture land, but uh, really uh, they would build a little hay maybe or something like that, but usually nothing was done with this land. And for 26 years, it stayed that way. We were in California and at the Lancaster Baptist Church in Lancaster, California, my phone vibrated and I looked at my phone and one of our church members sent me a text. I said, Pastor, they said, did you know there is a for sale sign on the property across from the church? And I typed it back. I said, no, I didn't know that. And I said, but thank you for letting me know a little bit later. Another one of our church members texted me and they said, Pastor, did you know that the, that the land across from the church has a for sale sign on it? And I texted them back and I said, well, someone told me, but I didn't know. Thank you for letting me know. Later that night, we were, we were at church and my phone vibrated again. I looked at it. It was the realtor. I don't even know how she got my name. I mean, to this day, I don't know how she got my name and number, my cell phone number. She sent me a text in California. She said, Pastor, she said, this is, she called her name. She said, I'm a realtor with, and she called the name of the company. And she said, I'm just letting you know that the land across from your church is for sale. And this is what she said, but it won't stay that way long. I typed it back, text her back, and I said, thank you for letting me know. Some of our folks had texted me. I appreciate that. We're in California. We'll be back in just a few days. And I said, as soon as I get back, we'll address it. By the time we can get back into the state of North Carolina, someone had already placed a bid on this property. But you're sitting here. You're sitting here. You say, why? I'll tell you why. Because he's alive. That's exactly why. He's alive. And God gave us this most beautiful, beautiful piece of realty in Union Grove, North Carolina, where our people sometimes come up here just to watch the sunset. I mean, God has given us a a vista in North Carolina. And if that's not enough, then there were seven more acres over here on this side. And God gave us that land. And God gave us a creek. And God gave us a waterfall. and, And God's given us this place little by little by little. Can I get a witness right there, my dear friend? I'm telling you, you listen to me and listen to me good. He's alive. I said he's alive. I said he's alive. Hey, you've got something to be joyful about. He is alive today. 
I know this isn't Easter. I know it's not Easter yet. But it just fits right here. A little boy, was, his name was Philip. Philip was a little Down syndrome kid. Cute as a whip. I mean, just cute as could be. And they are. Those little Down syndrome kids are so cute. He was, he was in third grade Sunday school class. And it was the Sunday after Easter and the teacher had got all the little boys and girls together. And she had brought in some of these oversized plastic eggs. And she taught a lesson and she said, now, here's what we're going to do. She said, we're going to dismiss you. We're going to go out here around the church. And she said, we want you to gather up some items of life or something that's typical of Easter. And so all those little boys ran out. They had the greatest time. <clears throat> they began to gather up little things and they brought them all back together in the class. They began to open up their eggs and one egg had a, you know, had a, a new leaf in it and they talked about that a little bit and then, you know, another one had a blossom in it and, and, uh, and one had a, a, an insect and, and some different things. And they worked their way through those eggs and then all of a sudden they came to this egg and they opened it up and it, nothing in it. And the kids said, somebody didn't do their assignment. And little Philip, Down syndrome boy, he spoke up. He said, I did too. I did too do it. They said, Philip, you didn't do it right. You didn't do it right. There's nothing in yours. And he said this. He said, my egg's full of empty. Do what? He said, my egg. Yes, I'm about to get, I'm about to get fired up. He said, my egg is full of empty, empty. He said, because Jesus came out, the, the, the tomb is empty. Hey, I want to tell you what, Calvary Baptist Church, you got something to shout about because the tomb is full of empty today. Man, you don't have to ride around here half empty on joy. Not if you grasp this foundational truth. You say, Pastor, what are we going to do? What are we going to do about the White House? What are we going to do about, you know, politics? What are we going to do about, I, you, you do whatever you want to do about it. But I'm telling you what, the tomb's empty. Amen. And Joe Biden may be in the White House, but Jesus is on the throne. Amen. Amen. That's right. Foundational truth. The songwriter said, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living. Whatever men may say, I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. Hallelujah. We got to go on. We could just camp out there for a while, couldn't we? How about this? Number two, you say, Pastor, how can I, how can I be joyful? Number two, by giving yourself to Christian fellowship. The word fellowship there means partnership, communion, association. I love this word. It means community. Community. That's what we had last night. Amen. Community. And so John writes here and he says, let me tell you how you can be joyful. Not only by grasping that foundational truth, but he said by giving way to Christian fellowship. First of all, there's two parts. First of all is divine fellowship. Now look in your Bibles, 1 John chapter 1, verse number 3. Notice what John says. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you 
that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Which, by the way, church, that's what we've been called to. We've been called to fellowship with the Lord. 1 John chapter 1, verse number 9, God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. You say, preacher, how in the world am I supposed to fellowship with God? And this is the answer. You fellowship with God by walking with Him. Genesis 5, 24, and Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. Genesis chapter 6, verse number 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. The songwriter said it like this. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. Listen now. And the joy we share as we tarry there. None other has ever known. You say, Pastor, what's that mean? To walk with the Lord. Two things. Number one, we walk with the Lord by reading His Word. You say, Preacher, I tried it. Didn't do anything for me. Try it again. Try it again. You say, Pastor, I tried it twice. Didn't do anything for me. Well, try it three times. I tell you what you do this time before you do it. Pray a prayer something like this. Lord, would you please show me something? Lord, would you please help me to understand? Lord, would you show me something? Would you teach me, Holy Spirit? Could you show me what you're trying to say to me? Could you teach me in your word? We walk with God by reading his word. We walk with God by spending time in prayer. You say, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. Sure you do. Sure you do. You say, oh, I don't, I don't know how to say big words like, you know, justification and Harmardiology and soteriology. Well, you don't have to say words like that. You know how to talk to your spouse. You know how to talk to your kids. You know how to talk to your parents. Same way you talk to the Lord. You say, say, preacher, I don't even know how to start. How about this? I sure love you. Have I told you how much I love you today? Have I mentioned how wonderful you are? And then just let go from there. Dale Moody, the great evangelist, said it like this. He said, when we read our Bible, it's God talking to us. And when we pray, it's us talking to God. And we need to do most of the listening. And that's so true. So divine fellowship, but listen to this. Number two, I'm going to call this denominational fellowship. Look back at 1 John 1 verse 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, here it is, that ye also may have fellowship with us. That ye also may have fellowship with us. Acts chapter 2 verse number 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayer. Everybody with me today? We're about done. We're about done. But but hang on every word. Because I'm getting ready to make a statement that's going to shock you. Are you ready? Here it is. I am thankful for COVID-19. You say, Pastor, California's done got to your head. You are... 
what is wrong with you? You're crazy. I am, are you listening to me? I am thankful for COVID-19 or coronavirus or Kona or Rona or all the other names that people are, people are giving to it. People say, yeah, I got, I got the Rona the other day and I thought, you got what? You know. I'm thankful for COVID-19. I'm thankful. You say, why in the world? I'll tell you why. Because you know what it did? COVID-19 for the Calvary Baptist Church and for Brother Steve Pope, COVID-19 made us do some things we never would have done otherwise. It made us stretch. It made us believe. It made us have faith. It made us trust. It made us launch out. This ministry has gone, I believe this ministry has gone to a whole new level uh, in, in part because God allowed COVID-19 to come into this world. You say, Pastor, you flipped your lid. I'm telling you, I'm thankful for COVID. And I'll tell you why. Because one of the things that COVID-19 did was this. It showed me just how important that fellowship really is. Fellowship. It's vital. It's vital. So we're getting ready to start Sunday school back. Everybody listening up? We're getting ready to start Sunday school up, but we're going to, do, we're going to change things. Sunday school, when we start Sunday school back up, Sunday school will start sooner so we can dismiss earlier. Because when Sunday school starts back, we will not sacrifice what we have now to start to, to, uh, for, what we, uh, for what we want to have. So we can do both. But we're going to have Sunday school, and then we're going to start earlier. We're going to dismiss earlier. So for a, quite a while before the service starts, we're going to do nothing but fellowship. And welcome folks in and invite one another and love each other. And, and uh, why? Because fellowship, fellowship is one of the things that makes you joyful. By the way, that's why, oh man, oh man, that's why when you get discouraged, the worst thing in the world you'll do is stay home in your four walls and look at the boob tube and, and Hollywood and, and stay home and, and, and sulk and have a pity party. Man, get yourself out of that. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps and whatever you do, you say, preacher, I'm discouraged. Then come on to the house of God discouraged. You say, pastor, I'm depressed. Come on to the house of God depressed. You say, pastor, I don't feel good. Come on to the house of God even when you don't feel good because I'm telling you something. Fellowship will help your tank to be full. Yes. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Preacher, how can I be joyful? Number one, by grasping foundational truth. He's alive. John said, he's alive. We touched him. Saw him. Heard him. Handled him. He's alive. He's not in the grave. He's alive. By giving yourself to Christian fellowship, we're done. But oh, mercy. Don't turn me off yet. You say, Pastor, how can I be joyful, number three, by gaining the forgiveness of God? Look what John says. It's so important. First John 1, verse number 8. John's telling us how we can have our joy tank full. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... 
He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Understanding that your sins, (laughs) this is going to help somebody. Understanding that your sins can be forgiven will help your joy to be full. It's so sad, isn't it? To see unsaved people who have to live with the weight of their sin their entire life. But I've got great news. If you're in Christ, the burden of sin has been lifted. In fact, are y'all ready? Man, this is almost too good to preach. The burden of sin has been lifted. But did you know the Bible says this? That it teaches that the burden of sin has been lifted as far as the east is from the west. You got to see this before we go. You got to see it. Go, go to Psalm 103 quickly. Psalm 103 in your Bibles. Psalm 103, one of my absolute favorite Psalms. Psalm 103, and, and uh, I wish we had time to read more, but, but we'll start in verse number 10. Psalm 103 and verse number 10. All oh, this is good. Psalm 103, verse number 10. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. Here it is. Verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he remembereth, he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. That means this, that if you're here today and you are a born again child of God, I've got great news. Your sins are gone. Jesus will forgive you for your sins. And by the way, here's the problem with sin. God most certainly will forgive you, but here's the problem. Here's the problem, young people. Be careful what you do. Be careful how you live. Because you're going to have a hard time forgiving yourself. That's really where the problem comes in. Oh, I don't expect you to believe it because you're youthful. But just take it from a few of us older timers that have been around just a little while and we've counseled and prayed with folks and cried with folks and talked with folks who, who went out on a limb on, in sin and backslid. And, and then they came back, they confessed it, God forgave them, but they had a hard time forgiving themselves. Yeah. We were in the state of California just a few days ago and after one of the services, a lady came to me and she said, and, and she gave me her testimony and I wouldn't dare to give it over the, the air here, but she gave me her testimony and this is what she said with tears. And I asked her, I said, have you confessed it? She said, I have confessed it to God. I said, God has forgiven you. And then she said this in tears, but I'm having a hard time forgiving myself. And I said, ma'am, one of the greatest things you'll ever do is forget your past. You can't do one thing about it. You can't go back and change it. You can't erase it. But you can do everything about your future. I said, forget the past, forget the past. 
And I said, start reaching forward, Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Hey, I've got good news, good news. If you're here and you're saved, your sins are under the blood. And you can have joy to the full. Old man was carrying a large sack of potatoes on his back. He was humped over. Walking down the side of the road with a heavy load. And the story goes that a prince came by in a beautiful carriage. Beautiful carriage. He saw the old man carrying the heavy load and he stopped and he said, Sir, can I offer you a ride? He said, it looks like you're under a tremendous amount of strain and weight. Can I offer you a ride? And the old man took him up on his offer. He stepped up into this beautiful, beautiful royal carriage. But he kept that sack of taters right there on his shoulder. They began to ride down the road and the prince looked over at the old man and he said, Sir, wouldn't you like to lay your potatoes down? And the old man said, you know, it's enough for me to ask you to carry me. I certainly can't ask you to carry my potatoes too. Well, he was already carrying his potatoes. Yeah. You know what somebody ought to do today? Somebody ought to decide today, you're laying your potatoes down. <laughs> You've lugged them around all this time. And by the way, the devil's reminded you of them. And, and you, 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 and the devil says, what about what you used to be? What about where you used to be? What about the way you used to live? Hey, why don't you do this today? Why don't you step into the carriage of the royal prince and lay your potatoes down and understand that God is willing to forgive you and then, my dear friend, go forward for the cause of Jesus Christ. Joyful. 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 Ask your question. Where's your tank at today? Are you joyful? Are you a little empty? Are you about half? And half's decent, but please understand something. God never wanted you to be half. God wants you to be full. And if you're here today... And you're struggling in an area. Why don't you let go and let God have his way today? Let's bow our heads. Father, I want to thank you. Lord, I want to thank you. Lord, I don't know if anybody else got any encouragement, but I'm going to tell you one thing. You were lighting my fire today while I was preaching. Thank you, Lord, that I'm able to have a joy that is F-U-L-L full. Father, I pray that you'll help some folks today to leave this building not satisfied with a quarter of a tank or a half or even three quarters. But I pray that somebody would run to this old-fashioned altar today and say, Jesus, would you fill it up? Lord, give me a fill up. You're alive. You're alive. That means you've got my problems. 
You've got my burdens. Lord, you're willing to forgive me of my sin. Father, I pray that you'd help us to be joyful today. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. A couple questions quickly. First of all, how many here today would say, Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I have been born again. I know that I'm on my way to heaven. If you can honestly say that between you and Christ, would you just very quietly lift your hand You say, Preacher, I know that I am saved. Hallelujah. That's wonderful. You can lower your hands. But I want to ask a second question. How many are here today and you would say, Preacher, I'm going to be honest. If I died today, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I would make it to heaven. I want to go. I want to go, but I'm just not sure I would make it. And I want you to pray for me. And right now, you'd raise, very quietly, just raise your hand and let me pray for you today. Is there one like that anywhere? I see that hand. Is there another? Come on, let me pray for you today. You'd raise it right now and say, Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me? You'd slip your hand up. I see that little hand. Is there another? Anywhere. Raise it real high now. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. I saw four. Is there a fifth hand today? Preacher, if I died today, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. You'd let me pray for you right now. Is there one more? Anywhere at all? All right. I'm going to pray for you. Hey, child of God, are you full? Full of joy? Full of joy? Let's all stand around the Lord's house today, if you would. Father, I pray that you'll bless in this time of invitation. Many have already come, but maybe there's others that ought to respond to this invitation. Lord, may circumstances not control our joy tank. Lord, I pray that we'd not allow people to control our fullness of joy. Lord, today I pray that you'd help some folks to leave here. I mean, full. Lord, so much so that the cup is flowing over. Father, I pray for these that raised their hands that said that they're not sure about heaven. God, I pray you do work in their hearts and lives. And I pray in just a moment maybe they would come and let us take God's word and show them how they can know that they're going to heaven when they die. Lord, if we're still on the air right now, I pray that you help folks to reach out to that number, 704-327-5662. Help them to call that prayer helpline. Father, we'd like to, we'd like to help them today. Blessing this invitation. Speak to hearts, I pray, Father. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. I'll ask some of our personal workers if they'll make their way to the ends of the aisles here. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need Christ. I need to be saved. I need to be saved. I'm going to encourage you right now. We'll sing in a moment, okay? But right before we do that, if you're here today, you say, Pastor, I need to be saved. I want to encourage you to step out right now and come. I want you to come. And we want to we want to help you today. I promise you. We won't embarrass you. We won't make you give a speech. We just want to pray with you today. We want to try to help you from God's word. 
So while we wait, we've got folks down here in the altar. They're waiting on you. We've got folks on the prayer line. They're waiting on you. We want to try to help you today. Would you come? While we wait, I'm going to make my way to the main floor as well. And if you're here and you need to come, listen, we're here. You come and we'll pray with you today. Thank you for joining us today. We consider it an honor to serve you. And our prayer is that the service was a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you were impacted today by the preaching of God's Word, we encourage you to respond. If we can pray with you, or if you would like to make a decision today for Christ, please call us here at 704-327-5662. We have people waiting right now on the lines prepared to help you. Again, thank you for joining us today, and we hope to welcome you again soon. Have a wonderful week.